following is a joint production of Burgundy Blog and Sports Channel 8. Burgundy Blogcast, the official podcast of Burgundy Blog, coloring the Redskins conversation. My name is Brent, and I will be joined tonight by my super intellectual buddy, Colin, to discuss the 2018 NFL Draft as it pertains to your Washington Redskins. Colin, my dude, what's up? Not much, Brent. How are you? Welcome back to Burgundy Blogcast. I'm doing well. Just, uh, just hang out here with you on a Friday night, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> we are some cool dads, aren't we? I mean, I tell you, we have we have big plans. It's uh, 10 p.m. on a Friday night, and I can think of nothing I'd rather be doing right now than sitting in my basement podcasting with you. I agree. I agree. That's not a shot to my usual podcast host Hayes Permar who hasn't really been on a burgundy blogcast in a while he um he but he but he listens and uh he recently accused me of cheating on on him with you Colin <laughs> well Brent I you know I don't I don't mean to be your your podcast mistress so so do what you have to do <laughs> there's room for there's room for plenty on this wagon all right good 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 so um, the draft is in six days. There's a few things we could talk about tonight. I want to focus on the draft, as we, as we were just chuckling about a second ago offline. Um, there's some other things going on with the Redskins. But um, I, want to, I want to get into some, some draft thoughts. Is that, is that cool with you? That works for me. Draft and schedule. We can talk about both those things tonight. Right. Good. So I was thinking, you know, I want to take one second and just like, like a very sort of vaguely maybe not maybe in some detail explain why I think that any of my thoughts on the draft should matter I mean this is this is not like a resume I'm not trying to necessarily prove my credibility sure, sure, I'm not sure, some sure. I'm not some fancy football pro everybody who follows me on Twitter or, or listens to this knows that by now I'm just just some dude but um you know I'm interested to hear you know what what you do to kind of like get an impression about prospects and figure out who you want and don't want for me you know Draft season kind of starts like the day after the Redskins are eliminated. Uh, you know, mathematically that happens in December. Realistically, that <laughs> happens in October or November. October, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So right, right, you know, the day after that happens, I start googling like draft uh, obscenely early draft rankings, and I read through the top twenty or thirty prospects, and I start to figure out, you know, who's who's hot. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll concede first of all, I don't really watch a ton of college football during the season. You and I are both. Um, UVA fans and, so and there's I, not much to watch yeah right watch. so so we're not seeing a, a, a whole hell of a lot of pro prospects I mean maybe a few here and there um yeah, so yeah, I watched Quinn Blanding is pretty good I think I was He's gonna say Quinn direct. Blanding Micah Kaiser these are some guys we could talk about but um you know I watch UVA I don't I don't watch a, a ton of other um you know major college football so you know so I have to I have to sort of start from from nothing on a, on a lot of the guys I mean I've heard of most of them but uh, so anyway, you like I look at I look at the big names and and then I you know I'm not gonna lie I I go to highlights I go to highlights first and I try to you know you can Google awesome highlight reels obviously on on any, anybody and uh, or on the on the marquee names 
And the highlights, I think, show me like, wow, th this guy's this guy looks pretty ridiculous. This is awesome. This is one of my early favorites, a crush or whatever. This is a guy I should read more about. If a guy's highlights are kind of boring, I'm like, okay, whatever. Maybe we're talking about a middle round guy. But then what I what I like to do is, and what I learned I learned about this awesome site uh, two or three years ago called Draft Breakdown, and hmm. it it has um you know for all the big name guys, especially like likely first or second round guys. I mean, it's got like a dozen games, like awesome cut-ups of clips of guys, like full games where it's every play that the guy was in, and they, they'll last from 5 to 12 minutes or something like that. So you can like, and sometimes you can ask somebody like, what's a good game of, you know, Mr. Who's he what that I should, you know, look up when he was awesome or, or, or a not-so-good game? And you can watch his whole game in like five minutes and see, you know, even when oh, the wow. ball wasn't going his way. So I think that... um you know, I certainly haven't done that on everybody I've ever heard of in the draft, but like guys that that I think maybe the Redskins might be into or who I like, I can do that, and I think it's a little bit better than just doing highlights. Um, then you know, th then I, I read like crazy, I read obsessively about you know other people's opinions. I like the Roto World guys like uh, Evan Silva and Josh Norris. I think Mayock's opinion is pretty good. Uh, I always and, like and, Mayock. Yeah, yeah, Mayock's pretty solid, and specifically with like. I mean, his his evaluation stuff is good, but also his like predictive stuff is really good. As you get closer to the draft, he's he's a really sharp like mock draft guy because um, I think he's very plugged in. Um, I read a, I read some stuff on a site called Our Lads, and I'm trying to think who else. Oh, the you, you ever look on like NFL.com site um, has has something called a draft profile for every player, most of which are. So I do by, look at that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like I like seeing like the comparisons to current yeah. players. I think that's yeah, those cool. comps are cool. Most of those are written by Lance Zierlein, and um, he's pretty good. So that's me. Like, what what do you uh, do? You use any of that stuff? Is there anything that I didn't mention that you like to look at? Well, I gotta be honest. I I, I can't say that I go into it that detailed. You know, I okay, I good. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I have you as a guest tonight. Then, Colin, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I Google, I mean, I read a fair amount of mock drafts and, and I like to read, um, I think what I like to read most of all, when I look at mock drafts or I would look at kind of draft prospects, is not so much how they stack up to this year's class, but how they stack up to last year's class, rather compared to nice. like guys who have kind of come before, because yep. that, that to me is the biggest thing. So I like when, so I read somewhere and I forget what site it was or, you know, if, you know, how would these, you know, how would Sam Darnold have fared if he had come out in last year's draft? Or, you know, yeah. would you have picked him ahead of Wentz or something like that? And so that's where I think the comparison is really helpful. Um, and so I can't say that I, that I look at cut up tape. I probably watch a little more college football than you do. Um, and so, so I've heard of some of these guys just from having watched them play. Um, which is why I always think when in doubt, draft someone from Alabama because Alabama is always awesome. Right on. Um, Bruce Allen but, uh, was was follow was subscribing to that theory last year. Yeah, and I think it's not you know it's it's you know those guys are so good you know and they're so well coached and I guess the only criticism there is that have they peaked already you know how much better right. are they going to get but um, and so so yeah so I, I guess I don't spend that much time looking at highlights and that sort of thing I, I do look at a fair amount of mock drafts I feel like this guy Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated is pretty plugged in mm -hmm. as well um, and and so when he does mock drafts I, I'm not you know Peter King he seems to have some things but um, I think Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com is pretty plugged in because he used to be a scout too that's so, a good one yep I agree um and I think also just seeing how the mock drafts change over time, um, 
you know, these guys who are doing what you're doing, they're putting a lot of effort into it. Like as the mock drafts evolve, you can kind of see who's going up and who's going down and that sort of thing. Um, and that's something that I pay attention to as well. Um, but nice, you know, I mean, and I th- but I think the other thing though, that I always kind of take with a grain of salt is everyone says at this time of year, half, if not more of what you're hearing is all smokescreen, right? Oh yeah. Lying season. It- yeah, and so I mean, you can look, you can look at this stuff, but do you really know who these guys want? I mean, they're they're putting things out there just to put it out there, and so um, yeah, that's why I love the draft because you read all this stuff and then you see, hey, what what's true, what's not true, and it's kind of the fun. draft is just freaking fascinating. There's there's so much going on. Every team is involved. It's the lifeblood for all 32 teams, and it, it you, you just are every year you have the sense that like a if if you just hit it out of the park with five or six of these guys, it can, like the it Saints be the, did last year. It, exactly, it could be it could just be a, a totally franchise shifting thing for the next five or ten years, and it could really make a big difference as to whether or not we want to kill ourselves following the Redskins, which has, you know, generally <laughs> been the case in my adult life. Um, and so this year, so this year's draft, obviously the question is, you know, you got the four quarterbacks, like history will tell us that all four are not going to be good. Yeah. Um, and so that's the, I mean, that's looking back in four or five years. I mean, that's going to be obviously the story of this draft, you know, yep. which one of these guys was good and which one of these guys wasn't. And so, so who's so your it's, favorite quarterback it's out of nice. all these guys? It's kind of nice, right, to be sitting there round about the middle of the first round uh, when when you don't really feel pressured to to take one. You know, in fact, I right. oh, sure. I, I, would, oh, sure. I, I I don't want to speak for you, but I I mean that's that's essentially one of maybe like two or three positions that I I would totally just not even consider with a very early pick, and that of course is because the Redskins got Alex Smith, and that that might be you know the discussion as to whether or not that trade was wise could be for a different pod, but in general. Um, I'm glad they have him, and I'm glad we're not in the wilderness right now, and that they can focus on focus on getting him yeah. weapons, you know, instead of instead of you know rolling the dice. Totally agree, and and I think, quite frankly, um, I think Kevin Hogan is a service is a serviceable backup that they just picked up. Yeah, that's an so. interesting one too. I th- yeah, I think that um, maybe maybe if he just sucks, they'll 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 kick him to the side, but but there's a realistic chance he could he could stick on as a as a backup. I agree. Um, so, so, like, so let's, so you asked me like what, you know, what I'm, what I'm thinking big picture. I'm just going to throw this at you. And I tweeted, I, I sort of teased this with a few tweets earlier today, but, um, the, 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 the first round or the first half of the first round is starting to crystallize for me a little bit. And I, and I think you, you alluded to these four quarterbacks that I think, you know, everyone knows that these top four guys are in some order, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. I, I really don't profess to have a strong feeling as to what order they're going to go in. Um, but I, I think those guys are all going to go before the Redskins pick uh, at number thirteen, without and then, question. Yeah, and then and then maybe, by the way, maybe you know, like a Lamar Jackson slides up in there, or even a Mason Rudolph if somebody's feeling really antsy. You never know. But it could happen. It could. But happen. I, I see, I see those four, and then I see that you know, in this draft, there's like these three guys that are pretty much universally acknowledged as uh, as close to can't miss as you can get. Those being Saquon Barkley. Um, Bradley Chubb and uh, Nelson, Quentin Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, right. So are we on the same page so far? Definitely. Those are the top so, seven. Right. So those are the top seven. So now, to me, and I want to hear your thoughts, but I, I think you know, I, I didn't ask you to do like a specific mock draft because honestly, sure. who the hell knows who's even going to be picking in the top ten picks? Sure. There's going to be so much sure, action sure. probably. But I think that there's sort of like a next mini tier where I really get the impression 
that it's it's likely that um, two linebackers being Tremaine Edmonds from Tech and Roquan Smith, as well as Georgia, yeah, yep. And I th- I think Denzel Ward, who is probably the the top like pure cover type corner in this draft. I think those three are also extremely very likely to go before the Redskins pick. So so that's up to now we're up to ten. Now we're up to ten, right? Now there's two picks left before the Redskins go. And the two guys left that I really want are both defensive backs. One is Derwin James. Safeties, Der- yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Derwin James is my favorite, and then Minka Fitzpatrick. I would be thrilled with either one of them. They just both feel right. like they're going to be awesome pros. So I I'm prefer hoping. Fitzpatrick, but you'll see. Okay, what nice. With that. I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm totally with you. I like him a lot. So I'm personally, you know, that's where I am right now, and I think there's, a, there's another. So I'm, I'm obviously hoping that somebody gets antsy and like reaches for a guy that I don't like as much, and, the, and one of those slides up in there, or maybe one of those quarterbacks gets picked, or you know, there, there's a, a tier after those two where, like, in my worst case scenario, if those are the first twelve picks, to me, I'm trying to trade out of that thing as hard as I can, um, I agree. because. Because you're hitting guys now, you know, a lot of people love the the D tackles like Vea and Payne, and I like them a lot too. To me, it's just like I don't think they're that far ahead of some other guys you could get that I wanna that I wanna use thirteen if if I if I don't absolutely have to, you know? And here's where and here's where it's interesting too, Brent. And so I don't know exactly where the number falls, but from what I've read from guys like Albert Breer and Peter King, people like that, apparently the consensus on this draft is there there may be like 15 to 18 guys who are ahead of everybody else mm-hmm. and then they say the middle of like like the 20s on up in the first round is exactly the same player as, as the second round yeah and the maybe second or even the third, third round yeah yep i've and, heard that and yeah. so and so apparently so where the redskins might be in, in a good spot is if that's true then their pick is kind of in that window where maybe one of the more elite guys is mm-hmm. and so they might have some 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 trade down value um, if so, if there is, if there's a guy, some team wants, um, and so, and I'm not quite sure who like the 18 or 20 are, but they say once you get out, once you're in the twenties of the first round, like you're getting the same player as you would in the, in the second round. Right. Um, and so there might be some, some, some marketability there for our pick. Yeah. And I'd be um, all for it. I'd be all for it. Um, I think to me, after the, the guys I've mentioned, there's like another tier of guys where like if if they have to make the pick at 13, I would be like okay with these guys, but not not like you know in love with it probably. And th- that includes Vea and Payne. There's a pass rusher from Boston College named Harold Landry, who right. I think is like one of these speedy sort of like um, uh, and this and this guy Davenport Beasley, some- yeah Davenport, yep yep. Um, he, he he's getting some publicity. I don't um, I don't know if he's as I, I don't. You know, I haven't studied him super closely. I feel like he might not be the 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 perfect fit for the Redskins' defense. Gotcha. But uh, like, I think maybe there's some redundancy with like a Preston Smith with him. And whereas like gotcha. Landry is more of like a speed rusher kind of guy, like uh, Bruce Irvin or something. Um, and then who else? There's another corner there, like uh, Josh Jackson's pretty Josh good. Josh Jackson. Yeah. Well, I think the guy we haven't mentioned yet is a guy who. I think I've decided, Brent, that I that I think I know who I want the Redskins to draft. Wow. Okay. Or, or Lay later. it on me. Lay it on me. So I think they need to draft Darius Geis. I knew you were going to say that, Colin. Good. We're going to have a, t- a conversation about this. Go. You. You give me what you got on Geis. So well. So so listen. So I can't tell you that much about Geis. I've, I've read about him. You know, I'm I'm trusting that he is that good. Um, but here's kind of where I've come down to this. You know, the Redskins need a new running back. Like, everyone knows that, right? Yes. And and here's what I'm a little bit concerned about. So, we all know that there's Barkley and there's Geis. 
And so you you read about you know say who the giant's going to take. Well, they say well, we can, well they could take Barkley, but why not just wait until the top of round two and, and get Chubb, right? Yeah. P- people people say that about the Giants. I'm kind of worried that there's going to be a run on running backs early in round two. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of worried that if our plan is to sit back and get Nick Chubb or Sonny Michelle or the guy Penny or I'm just worried that these guys are going to get picked. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, so what if we don't draft? So the Redskins clearly need a running back. Yes. And what if we don't pick one in the first round? And then we wait around in round two, and there's a run on running backs at the top of the second round, and all those guys we want are gone. Then who's our running back going to be? And then we're it's, in the exact same situation as, as we were this past year. It's a reasonable concern, and I totally agree with you that they got to come away with with a stud back. But I think that that's I, I feel like that fear, which you know, in which you're not alone at all among our fans. I think it, it just seems like a safe bet to me that one or two of those guys is still going to be there in the middle of the second. I think we're worried about it because we want one so bad, but it would be, you know, even though these guys have high marks, it would be pr- a very unusual draft for six backs to go that high before the middle of the second round, you know? Well, yeah, I think you're right. Um, now, now, if they've I, got I, one I or two that they feel like they I think some like of them are, are going to go early, though. Yeah, um, no, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, so I, I don't I don't know that we can count on Nick Chubb being there. Now tell me, we can count well, so what you know is are you just kind of um, taking for granted that Geis is far and away the second best, or do you do you have a strong gut feeling that he truly is? Yeah, see that's the thing, and and that I have to just kind of go back and say like I I can't make a qualified opinion about that. From what I've read, he is the next guy, um, yeah. and I've I read somewhere I think I may have read this on your on your Twitter page that apparently he's, he's a little bit of a strange dude or something like that. So that, that kind of gives me a little pause. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, what, I, I did put that out today and I, it was just something um, I saw. I really don't know if that's, you know what that's about, but I kind of feel like the Redskins have to get a running back. And if you can draft someone in the first round who ends up rushing for a thousand yards and is your starting running back all season, like that's a successful pick, you know? Yeah. And, and I, and I realize that everyone wants to get Alvin Kamara in round three, but the NFL is a copycat league, and last year Kamara was awesome, and Hunt was awesome, McCaffrey was awesome, and so teams yeah. are going to be looking for these r- rookie running backs this year because yeah. of what happened last year. And I don't know. I kind of feel like the trend is out there, and sure, maybe all of them are, aren't gone, but unless you like all these guys exactly the same, the guy you might like may not be there in, right. the, in the middle of the second round. Well, I, I have no. I don't object to your perspective. I think it's very important that the Redskins get a running back. My my, t- I, I've I've read a lot about guys, and I watched a bunch of his games, and I want to emphasize that because um, I think it's it's now getting kind of widely understood that he was much better in 2016 than he was in 2017, presumably gotcha. from some kind of mysterious leg injury, which was ultimately worked out to probably be like a really bad bruise, like a thigh bruise or even a bone bruise, because they weren't really sure what to do with it for much of the year. So he was. just dynamite in 2016 and he was really good in 2017 but not the same guy to me his 2017 stuff is like that guy's not worth number 13 his 2016 stuff especially in the context of presumed you know eventual improvement maybe is there for me I'm a little worried that what if the 2017 stuff though is is more like who he is? Like maybe right, you know, the sure. SEC sort of started to figure him out a little bit, and in looking at at his games and um, uh, 
Cooley and uh, Kevin Sheehan were talking the other day about the fact that he didn't really fare well last year against the best defenses in the SEC. Um, a guy like uh, the other one, Carrion Johnson out of uh, right. Auburn, Auburn, for example, yeah. on the other hand, like dominated Alabama, which is you know obviously extremely impressive. Geis, on right. the other hand, kind of feasted on like Ole Miss and stuff like that. So gotcha. I'm a little worried about that. As a result, I don't really see him as like clearly and widely separated from the guys behind him. Now, I just, I, we, we, you know, it's 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 worth pointing out, despite being exceedingly obvious anyway, that the teams have so 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 much more information on these guys in terms of their personality sure. and just an sure. insane amount of research. And if if they look at guys and they're like, yeah, he's hands down a million times better than these other backs, then. It, it, then maybe you're right. Maybe at that point you got to say we you know, we got it, it feels a little high, but we love him, so we got to do it. To me, there's there's not a huge separation between him and then the two Georgia guys after him, um, right. and then like Penny, and then you know the other interesting guys, Ronald Jones, who's sort of like this big right. um, uh, home run hitter out of uh, USC. To me, or, or, or even Car- even carry on Johnson, or carry on Johnson, yeah. yeah. And so, to me though, the way you take advantage of a draft class like this, which has such depth, is not to be not to start the run. It's it's to right, sure. Um, I mean, in general, you like you know, it's better to start a run than wait till than than, than be at the end. But um, you know, I just think that it, at forty four, there's going to be a guy there who you can really hitch your wagon to, and so or or in, in maybe even into the third. I mean, I don't I don't know, but. Um, at, at that point, it feels like more of a gamble. But I would just, I, I would hate to leave one of those guys that I mentioned before, who I feel like could really transform the defense, and and then find that when forty four comes around, you'd actually have had your choice of a couple of guys, a couple of backs that you like there. You know? Sure. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying there for sure. Um, and so, so it's, it's a great, it's a fascinating conversation. Realistically, I think. If they pick Darius Geis at number thirteen, I'm initially going to be like, ah, that's. You know, I'll probably be a little disappointed. But I do know it's been pointed out to me, and I concede that as soon as he puts on some pads, and the first time I see him truck a guy, I'll be like, I'm so glad we got this guy. Um, but right. it, he does kind of have that Marshawn Lynch style to him, where I worry a lot about him staying healthy. I mean, he just he runs with reckless abandon, which is awesome to watch. But you know, you gotta you gotta have your guy available too. Right. No, that's true. And so yeah, it's just a, so um, maybe just to kind of clarify. So if, if Fitzpatrick or James are there, then I prefer those guys over guys. Yeah. But in, in the scenario in which all those the top 12 are gone, that's kind of what I think. So I think ideally what would happen is that the, the, the first 12 that you mentioned are gone. And then someone wants Lamar Jackson or yeah, something like yeah. that, and they and they and they call the skins, and we trade back to like the mid twenties, yep. and then we get take a guys, yeah, yeah, get yep. a second, and, or and then we take Chubb or something like you know one of those guys if you can get them later in the later in the first round, you know who I think is going to is going to try to trade up in this draft and get a quarterback is is New England. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got they got a lot of they got a lot of ammo for it, right? They got some ammo, and Brady's playing hardball with them, and, and <laughs> I I, I kind of feel like that New England might be interested in trading. I mean, I, don't know, I maybe think you're right, but Jackson, but would they? But... They seem too smart to me to wait for like a, a a coin flip kind. of Well, they're all coin flips, but I I think with all the with all the draft ammo they've got, they are going to pick their guy, and it feels like Rosen, doesn't it? Like. That Rosen seems like a, a New England kind of guy, but they'll they'll, they'll Maybe, find yeah. him. And I would think that the, if they're going to do it, they're going to go balls to the wall and, All the like, way. and go up gotcha. to number two, yeah. you know, and like make sure that they get. I, I mean, I don't know, but but that's yeah. you're you're completely right. I would um, 
yeah, sign me up for a um, a nice little trade down with with some good return and um, and then let's yeah let's let's start filling out the roster with this, another second or third rounder. Yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. Because another uh, thing too is that if the scenario unfolds or there, or there's a run on running backs in the second round, maybe they can you know trade back up or something. They get someone if they have to, but yeah. Um, you know, and if they and you know they've been, out, they've been they've been they've um, been uh, so cautious and and maybe stingy in free agency um, that uh, w- they've they've probably built up a stable of extra picks next year, right? These compensatory picks. So there's some thought that the Redskins may be willing, and and also on top of that, if if you're if you're going to believe that Bruce Allen is finally feeling a little bit of a, of heat, and that that maybe he needs to to win this year. Maybe um, maybe he's going to be willing to trade some 2019 picks to to get some you know maybe to get that that running back who's you know who, who fell into the second that they love that 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 Chubb or Ronald Jones or whatever so I I think the Redskins are going to be active in this draft in terms of trading and really that so Brent, you know a ton of teams are so this is this is pure like stupid fan talk or that sort of stuff but in the back of my mind and I don't think this will happen but I. Do you think the Redskins would, would try to get Barkley? <laughs> I mean, it's it it feels like I, like it, it feels it, like that, that a, would be it, too expensive. But yeah. like, there's there's it, part of me that thinks that that's yeah. kind of their ace in the hole. Yeah. That if somehow Barkley slips a little bit, right, they might try to get him. I, I mean, it's and, occurred to me, and and it feels like it's been a long, like too long since Dan Snyder got to do something like that. Yeah. And so maybe, I, but but I don't know. I, I just I mean, kind of feel like there's been so much running back talk. I don't know. I just kind of feel like that there's a there's a tiny chance that the Skins are thinking about. I'll that. tell you what for for a team where you know there's there there has been there continues to be a gradual erosion of overall enthusiasm and confidence. Like that would energize the hell out of the fan base. I know. I'm I know. sure they know I, that. I'm sure they know that. Um. But I, but I actually think the Giants are going to take Barkley. That's that, that's that's my thought. I feel like yeah, that's I kind of think they will too, and that's why it seems so unlikely to me that the Redskins could, because I doubt the Reds. I mean, the Giants would would trade that pick to to us, right? I mean, no, they're not going to do that. I don't think. Yeah. But I there I've seen some scenarios in which Barkley, and again, it the the scenarios are based on the fact that hey, why you know would you rather have Bradley Chubb and Nick Chubb, or would you rather have <laughs> Barkley and you know? Yeah. Whether a defender you can get the second, you know, right, that's that's right. kind of that's kind of the, the, the debate, and so, um, so yeah. But I kind of feel like I, I don't know. Just part of me thinks the Redskins are going to make make a play for Barkley, but that, Man, that could just be I, that, total. That just, that would be you know that that's a that's a, an, an interesting suggestion, Colin, and it would be very very exciting. That would be very podcastable. It, 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 would, it, would, it would be it would be exciting. Uh, do you have any thoughts before we move on um, about like? you know other other general draft philosophy or later round guys that you really like or anything else well i think just in draft philosophy um you know as much as we talk about guys or barkley running backs or that kind of stuff if they just sat there at 13 and took vea or took deron Payne, i would be perfectly happy with that yeah i mean the redskins need to put some beef on their defensive line so badly yeah um and so, so I would be so content just to sit there and draft, um, and draft one of those guys, or sign me up for like a, like a Will Hernandez type at a UTEP, <laughs> like a big mauling guard, you know? I mean, 
Like, just, I, that's, I mean, maybe I would be a boring drafter. But I if love I was that running, fundamentalism about you, Colin. That's, yeah, that's if great. I was a GM, that, that's what I would be drafting. And, hey, Bruce, if we uh, can't get Saquon, let's aim for Will Hernandez, guard, <laughs> UTEP. Give me, a, give me a good guard, you know? <laughs> um, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, you, you, can, really, you can really never go. They, they, Redskins absolutely have a hole at guard. And if they're ever going to improve that running game, they need to fill it correctly. And then the Redskins absolutely still need uh, some beef on on the D line. And and while I don't think that that would really be winning the draft to to pick like a, a two down tackle right there, I, I I would not rip them for it. I mean that would probably be a sound decision. And I I get well, that too. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing too about those guys. And I and I think that kind of the the you know our. Guys like Vea, I mean, they're not like the Aaron Donald type, you know? Like, they're not the disruptive kind of sack of defensive tackles. They're more like the plug-the-run game right. tackles, right? And so isn't the trend more to get a guy like a Travion Bryan, who's more of this athletic J.J. Watt-ish type guy who can rush the pass right, and stop right. the run? Right, right. It is. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and so so that's the thing where I think you got you got to rely on – you know your coaching staff, and I to figure out exactly kind of who you want. I mean the um, guy, the guy you want there, and I remember. I don't, I don't know how many has probably been. How long? Uh, the, the guy who I think you want, as, you know, that you love to draft in the middle of the first round is Fletcher Cox, and I, yeah. I, it's been what I think he's been in the league four years, maybe. I know he's already, he already got his big deal, maybe five years by now. When the Eagles mm-hmm. drafted him, somewhere at like twelve or fourteen, maybe, I was pissed. I knew that guy was going to be a beast, and uh, I remember thinking it right away and tweeting it right away. I said the Redskins are gonna are gonna rue that move for a while, and I mean they did. He was he was one of the the first and the most key building blocks to that team eventually right. eventually breaking through. And you know if 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 you told me um, if you knew that a prospect was going to become ninety percent of Fletcher Cox, he'd be worth a top ten pick to me because I that guy it. shuts down the run and. He, he uh, obliterates the pocket, and I mean, if if you know, if somebody really had sold me that Vea was 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 very likely that, I'd be all over it. But I I don't think he's you know from a from a pass rush standpoint and Payne too. I I actually prefer Payne a little bit. I think, but I don't think either one of them is the pass rushing menace that Fletcher Cox is. Right. And that's that's kind of what I that's why I th- I'm just sort of meh. So Brent, so real fast, not to get too technical here with our audience. What is wrong with Maurice Hurst? <laughs> You're tapping into my my day job, my professional expertise, aren't you? Um, yeah. So what's wrong with him? Because he's more he's more of the um, Aaron Donald type, apparently. He is. You're but exactly right. I I, I so wish they found I, some I, kind of arrhythmia on him. Or I something, feel like or I should know more details, but it's they're so hard to come by. Colin's asking me this, people, because I'm a cardiologist. If um if you didn't catch that in in previous episodes. Uh, I, I honestly don't know what's what's I, I haven't heard what the issue is. I'm guessing that he has either a a relatively common structural issue like a bicuspid aortic valve or or possibly an arrhythmia. Maybe he has WPW pattern on his EKG. I'm not sure, but it seems like I, I tried to figure out as much as I could. I, I don't think they're very worried about it. I'm pretty sure basically all teams are going to clear him, and gotcha. I don't think it's going to affect his draft status. But yeah. I will keep an eye out for more medical details on Mo Hurst for you, Colin. because he's the guy apparently who fits the Aaron. Dunham. He's the kind of yes. the kind of the future. I mean, that's the kind of guy you kind of kind of like. Maybe even right. like in round two. And I don't think Tom like Sula is afraid to to take on sort of a smaller. 
I mean, it's sort of silly to say smaller because I think he's 300. But um, sure, sure. You know, he, Tom Sula doesn't need that massive 350-pound tackle like Vea. So um, right, right. it would not surprise me if the Redskins have some interest in Hurst or a Taven Bryan, like you mentioned, or one of these guys that's a little bit more of a penetrator. So, yeah, so so just sign me up for anyone but a receiver. I, I, no, no receivers this year. In this I can't draft. imagine that happening, but, yeah, that would, that would, uh, that would not go over well. We, <laughs> all right, so, so this is um, – let, let's, let's move on, Colin, to – and I don't want to uh, take up uh, an hour on it, but what are your thoughts on the schedule? Ah, uh, the schedule. Brent, I think the schedule is a home run. Do you know, do, <laughs> Elaborate. Do you know why, Brent? Why? What is not on the schedule – <laughs> the answer, a home primetime yep, game. Yeah, I knew you were going there. A home, I was going to say a home Monday nighter, yep. I mean, we always lose those games. Yeah, and Thanksgiving, so, though. Holla- Thanksgiving at Dallas. But at, at Dallas, but hallelujah, we don't have to host the national audience at home anymore. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, because, oh, I'm so glad about that. We tend to play well 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I think most yep. of our games are 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I do like um, that. I, I also am, in in general, a fan of the schedule. It looks tough at the end, but I think um, I'm in the camp that thinks with your quarterback being new and potentially needing a game or two to uh, you know get comfy, I got no problem with, with a couple of winnable games being the first two. Um and I don't really object as much as I usually would to the bye being so early. I think that that week four bye, I mean, it's not ideal, but um, sure. I think that might be a nice chance after three games for Gruden to you know sit down again with his new quarterback and like work out some kinks. So you know maybe that's glass half full, but um, I, I don't really. And and then later, you know, with the with the um, with Thanksgiving, they've got a, a later uh, break. There's like an 11 day break in you know, uh, sort of like second half of the season right. there. So I think the schedule is fine. I don't think nothing about it looked totally unfair to me. And um, I mean, it, it doesn't look like an easy schedule. Just just glancing yeah. through it, my my very first sort of five second gist was like, yeesh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not finding 10 <laughs> wins on here, you know? <laughs> well, you, you know, and I, but so the schedule, we all knew the opponents, right? I mean, the right. NFL makes this big deal. I mean, we, we all knew the opponents. We played the, all the same teams as the Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys, except for we get the Cardinals and the Packers, right? So, th- so those are the only two different games right. that we get. Um, and so I think opening in the, I think the Cardinals and Redskins are very similar teams, you know? I think that will be an even, an even game to open the season. Um, yep. The Cardinals, they have Sam Bradford now. Is that right? Correct. And so, so he'll he'll probably play in that game. If we had played them later in the year, he probably wouldn't play because he's always injured. But <laughs> Good um, point. and so we'll actually know who their quarterback is. We we'll play, play the Colts in week two, and quite frankly, I'm not sure if Luck's playing in that game or not. Yeah, who knows? Um, and so getting the Colts early. Who knows if Andrew you know, Luck is ever going to play football again? Right. So you may not see Luck. That's maybe a little bit of a break. The other thing that I kind of looked at the schedule, and I don't have it in front of me, but. I think after like mid-November, we only have like two home games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know why I think that's good? This is so embarrassing to say, but once <laughs> the weather turns cold, yep. the field yeah. at FedEx Field is basically just painted dirt. Yeah, it's, it's like horrible. the worst field in the NFL. I know. And so, and so we'll only have to play two games on painted dirt this year. Yep. You know, I think the last you're right home game that. of the season. And, and, you know, and on and top so, of that, you know, frankly. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. The Redskins do not have 
an imposing home field advantage in any oh, way. Oh no! You know, so like right. any of this stuff about like, ooh, we're, we're we're like on the road most of most of December. You know, I'm like, who cares, man? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably good, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, we're not playing the Rams, or the Vikings, or the Steelers, or the Patriots, or the right. Seahawks. I mean, those are you know, and so there'll be some tough games, but. Um, you know, the schedule, you know, people always look at the schedule and try to predict the wins. None of us have any idea. Last yep. year at this time, we thought that we thought the Giants were going to go to the Super Bowl and they're picking right. second in the draft, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so you just never know who's going to get hurt, who's going to get hot. You can do some general trends or kind of by looking at it, but it's just, it's so hard to tell what's going to happen. But completely right. It'll, it'll come down. It'll come down to how well they do it do it in the, in the division, like it always does. And if they can't win their division games, then they're not going to do anything anyway. And the, and the other so, thing you were talking about, um, uh, the timing of of opposing quarterbacks getting healthy. Um, one unfortunate thing is with both Eagles games being late, you'd think that probably Carson Wentz will be back back you know full go by then. That's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, I, I except that they're playing in the the week seventeen game is almost like a preseason game sometimes. And Good so, point. Yep, that's I, true. You never you, you never know that game's even going to count, and so that might be a little bit of a break. You that's, know, that's a good know, point. The, yeah, the Eagles may have already clinched. The them, Eagles are, so. are significantly more likely to to uh, to be playing for nothing in that game probably than the Redskins. I, I totally, <laughs> I totally agree, and so. <laughs> You know, I mean, they're playing the NFC South this year, which I think those teams are all kind of like the Redskins. They're pretty good. I think at New Orleans on Monday night feels like a loss to me. Um, <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. I, I Yeah, I think at Tampa Bay is a total toss-up game. Yeah. Um, hosting the Falcons and Panthers, I think maybe they can win one of those, but both those teams made the playoffs, so those games will be tough. Yep. You know, playing the AFC South, you know, I think the Titans and Colts are, are beatable. The Jaguars are tough. The Texans are a real wild card because, you know, they should have Deshaun Watson back. And so, you know, I don't think there are any games in the schedule that, that they can't, like, you know, there's no at New England. I guess they won at right. Seattle last year. But there's, there's no games, other than the at, Monday, the at New Orleans game on the Monday night, there's no game where you say there's no chance that they're, they're, they're going to win that game. You know? I agree. I, mean, I, I think, think it'll be, I think it's going to be a fun season. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun season as long as they can avoid the, the insane rash of injuries. You know, that, sure. that really, really sucked a lot of fun out of 2017. And, um, you know, it is, it is absolutely part of the game. And teams absolutely deserve to be rewarded in the standings for preparing for injuries and for cultivating depth. And, and you know, the, the thing that really burned me last year is that I, I felt like the Redskins were a deeper team than they had been, but they just kept smoking through even the depth with so many injuries. Right. Um, and it, it starts to take some of the fun out of it. Yeah, I think last year was just a really disappointing season. I hope it was an outlier. Yeah, it was. It was. You're uh, right. Just all the injuries, all the Kirk Cousins drama, all that stuff. I mean, I think this year should be a lot more exciting just with the new quarterback and with – I think there's less. I think there's a sense of optimism, which is why I think, getting back to the draft, they've got to hit their first two picks this year, you know? Yep, yep. Like, we can't miss on those, and, and that's kind of why I feel like – you know, if they really think they want a running back, like we, we got to get one, you know, yeah. and if they really want to help the D line, we got to get one. Like, don't miss on these picks. Like, don't, I don't know, you hate the draft for need, but I kind of feel like this, this year, I mean, there are some jobs on the line at Redskin Park this year. Yeah. Yeah. You know? They should I mean, be. I mean, I think, I mean, I think Gruden's job could be on the line. 
I kind of think Bruce Allen's job is on the line. Have you heard? I, I have heard some rumors that that Snyder is a little frustrated with Bruce Allen. Have, have you heard that anywhere in your? I've heard it, and I, I've heard it mainly from one guy, um, and that's um, Chris Russell, uh, who's like with one hundred six point seven now. And right. and I'm a, I'm a little skeptical about it because I've really only heard it from that source, and I don't think that his particular outlet has the best relationship with the team. And so right. I'm just not really sure what to make of it. But, you know, I, I, I'm not tossing it out because, I mean, yeah, there's some damn sure good reason for Dan Snyder to be dissatisfied with Bruce Allen. It's like the the more unbelievable thing would be if he was totally, you know, cool with him. So, um, I mean, for all the things we say about Dan Snyder, the one thing you can't say that he's not loyal <laughs> because yeah. he keeps Bruce Allen around. He kept Vinny Serrato around. <laughs> Why does he keep these guys around? <laughs> You know, I mean, he fires coaches like like left, not not anymore, but he used to. Schottenheimer hit the road, but Vinny, you know, you're good. But these GMs do nothing. I mean, Bruce Allen has done. He's he is his track record is really pretty poor. Yeah, and now we find out he's the most distrusted GM in the NFL (laughs) by agents. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you what do you make of that? Is that a big deal? Well, I, I don't think anyone's surprised by that. No, um, not not in the least. Is it? I I'm, I I question a little bit the scientific validity of the poll. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's like twenty five guys. I mean, there's sure there are tons of agents out there, but I mean, it just speaks to the fact that the Redskins organization is just how it's viewed, you know. Yeah. And you know, I think just to keep things simple, like if you look at that poll, I looked at it briefly. The teams that were respected. Were the good teams, right. you know, and the teams that weren't were the bad teams. I mean, that that's too simple, but like, yeah, you know, it was the who who team, which were the teams weren't prepared. It was the Browns and the Redskins and the <laughs> Bengals and the Bears. You, you know, I mean, it was just the bad Shocker. teams, and so and so, you know, it's like anything in life. If people don't respect you and don't want to work with you, then it's just not going to go well. My other take on um, that is that that Bruce Allen, we've come to realize over the last few years, is a shrewd and stingy negotiator and if i'm not mistaken he was uh, an agent himself in a former life and I think he was yeah. and i i think that you know it, it's fun and easy to poke fun at, at bruce allen and i i think he's terrible and i want him gone so this is this is not this is fodder for me but um i i do um you know the realist in me thinks that maybe agents don't trust him because at, at the negotiating table he's just hard you know and that that could be sure that might not be the worst trait in the world i mean i think they honestly don't really like doing business with him because he makes he makes them scratch and claw for every dollar and on the one hand perhaps that's off-putting and uh to to free agents and and their agents and and um compromising the redskins ability to recruit uh you know talent but on the other hand it has helped clean up the team's salary cap uh quite a bit so um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it was it was funny though to to see him at the very bottom of that list. Right. I mean, so listen, I love having the having the clean salary cap, but to me, I'd rather have about, some wins. All about all about wins, man. Yeah, it's no, all about I'm wins. And so, I mean, I think Bruce Allen's record is his record, and it's not very good. Well, let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> like his record is just not very good, and I don't know why. I mean. <laughs> The only argument for why he still has a job is because 
maybe no one else wants to work for Dan Snyder. I mean, who, I mean, who else is excited to take that job, you know? And, and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Snyder likes him because of, because of his dad and he is a, he's a Redskins loyalist, just like Snyder is. And I, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know. Who knows? It's just very befuddling. It's just Who very befuddling. Who knows? Whoever knows about these Redskins. Colin, this has been a lot of fun. This podcast went a little bit long. Um, but as always, I've enjoyed chatting with you. And All right. Can't wait for next Thursday. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's it's less than a week, and um, we're gearing up for it. And uh, let's see if we can't get you back on here and chat about it after the fact. Sounds good. All right. See you, Colin. See you, Brent.